uh, that, uh, that was one of my favorite hymns. In fact, uh, some of you might remember this, that long, long years ago when I was uh, an elementary student at Bamberg Elementary, uh, coming from Earhart up to the big town to go to school, Rick McCollum's dad was the, minister, was the music director. And I started out on the trumpet in fifth grade under him. And the first song, recognizable song, that I was able to play was something in a book called Hymn Tune. And it turned out that this is what it was. When I survey the wondrous cross. So I love that hymn. And it fits right in so greatly with our worship today uh, as we come to celebrate the Lord's Supper and remember uh, our redemption. If you would look with me for our scripture today in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, beginning in verse 14, uh, we read the scripture that prepares us for understanding uh, how we can remember our redemption appropriately. Peter writes and says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a Father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but He was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you believe in God who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. And so, your faith and hope are in God. Have you ever thought about um, what you might be worth? Maybe not based upon what you're paid, if you're paid, but uh, have a salary job or whatever. But what might be the value of your life? What might be the value of your body? Ever thought about that? Somebody put a price tag on you. How much would it be? Uh, I found some interesting and varied research this week uh, about the value of a human life. An article in Wired magazine, I'm not really sure who publishes that, or what's behind that one, but um, said that our bodies are worth $45 million. That's incredible, isn't it? And I know we're wonderful and fearfully made in the image of God, but $45 million is a lot. The uh, U.S. Environmental Protection Agency has calculated the value of a human life at $9.1 million, which is up from $6.8 million in 2008. And the Food and Drug Administration's current estimate is $7.9 million, up from $2.9 million since 2008. The Transportation Department is sticking with its $6 million estimate of the, of the value of a human life. And then uh, Natalie Walter, for a staff writer for Life's Little Mysteries, uh, has evidence that the uh, human body is worth $5 million. Now, what I finally put together with this is, uh, I think that these are all highly inflated values of human life that are related to government funding for the work of all these agencies, like the Environmental Protection Agency and the Food and Drug and the Transportation Agency, for research into safety and the food, safety of our food and all those kinds of things. I remember reading some time ago, and I haven't seen it updated in a long time, about the value of a human body based upon the different elements that were in our body. And it wasn't very much. It seemed like it was less than 100 bucks, around $98. And that leads us kind of towards uh, the two lowest uh, values that I found this week placed on a human body. One is at $36 and the other one $4.50. 
Well, while that's a variation in value, you, you, you know where we get our value and how that's determined. It's determined about how much its value is to somebody who values that life. That, that's how that value is determined. You know, like uh, you watch the um, Antique Roadshow, and these people come with these valuable things that they found in their attic, or somebody passed it along to them for four or five generations, and they didn't know what it was, and so they bring it there, and somebody tells them that this is a cherished item, and it's probably worth about three or four hundred thousand dollars. Well, you know, it's only worth that if somebody's willing to buy it. If not, they take that piece of junk and they put it back in the attic, right? So, how we really determine the value of our life is what it's really worth to the most important person of all, and that's to God. That's when we come to celebrate Lord's Supper today. We come to remember our redemption and our value in the sight of God. Not in terms of money, but in what He was willing to sacrifice to redeem us and to bring us into a relationship with Him. When we look at what uh, Peter writes to us in these verses that we read, we find that Peter gives us a challenge, an explanation, and an affirmation. The challenge is to live holy lives because God is holy and because we now belong to Him. That's the same thing we saw last week when we concluded the God is series that God is holy and He challenges us to be holy because He is holy. Second, the explanation is the cost and the plan of our redemption. There was a cost involved in redeeming us from our sin. And Peter reminds us that it was the blood of Jesus Christ as He died on the cross. And the plan came from God before the foundations of the world were laid. And then the affirmation that He gives to us is that if we believe in Jesus Christ and we accept the sacrifice that He made for us on the cross, then we experience the forgiveness of our sins and we can live a life that reflects the glory and holiness of God, and then God is pleased. Now, for our sake this morning as we prepare our hearts for celebrating in the Lord's Supper, and, and we're reminded of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, the bread representing His body and the cup of juice representing His blood. I just want us to focus on two thoughts. First of all, the cost of our redemption, and then the plan for our redemption. First of all is the cost of our redemption. Peter makes it very clear, the cost of our redemption. In verses 18 and 19 he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold. Have you ever thought about that? That silver and gold are perishable things? You know, we're told to invest in them for the long term. The Bible says that they are perishable. So, Peter says that we were not redeemed with these perishable things, like silver or gold, that we were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. As Peter reminds us of the value of our salvation with the word redemption and the cost in terms of the life of Jesus Christ. Redemption, what does that mean? It means you simply have the opportunity to buy something back. You ever had to pawn a valuable item at a pawn shop? You could buy it back later within a certain period of time uh, at, of course, a, a little higher price than what they gave you for it. Probably some interest added to it in that. Why do we need redemption? Bottom line is because of our sins. And we know that we're sinners. We sin because we disobey God's will. We break one or two or more or all ten of the Ten Commandments. 
We're not perfect. The Bible tells us we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we're going to sin whether we try not to as hard as we can. We're still going to sin. And because of sin, two things happen. There was a break in the relationship between us and God. And we built up a sin debt that needed to be paid. And we couldn't pay it because it took something righteous to pay for that. And isn't it interesting that Paul talks about that life before we came to know Christ as an empty life. An empty life. And it might be full of sin. And it might be full of a lot of other things that the world has to offer. But it's empty in terms of peace and righteousness and its ability to pay our sin debt. Uh, I had the privilege of being able to go Friday down to Kiowa Island uh, to the Ocean Course and uh, to see the Friday's round of the PGA Championship. And uh, they were to take Andrew and Jay and Philip with me, and we just had a great time. And uh, we had to park in a, in a field, and then they shuttled us in on buses. And as, and as I rode through there and I watched this uh, as, we, as we went to the course and then later on that evening when we came out, I just saw some of the largest homes I've ever seen in my life. And, and they're just uh, some profound houses. And the thought went through my mind that said, in this materialistic culture in which we live, and there are so many people who are still rich and still making big bucks, you know, and they've got houses like that, and they've got cars of all kinds of value, and they've got the membership and prestige and, and organizations and clubs. One of the hardest things for us to get through, I think, to that part of our culture is that they have a need for something in their life. And their life is empty without Jesus Christ. They think their life is full. But Peter says here, it's empty. It might be full of other stuff, but it's not filled with what you need to have it filled with. And, and, and that's sin. And we had a sin debt, and we couldn't pay it because God is holy and righteous and pure. And to meet His requirements, that's all sacrifice. The sin debt had to be paid with something also that was righteous and pure. And Peter says it wasn't by gold or silver, but it was by the blood of Jesus Christ, like a lamb without spot or blemish. See, one of the reasons that he mentions this, not gold and silver, is not only are they perishable things, Peter says, but they also fluctuate in value. I don't know if you've been watching the value of gold lately and, and have bought into that and all that, but I, I, if, I, if I looked at it correctly Tuesday afternoon, that the market closed Tuesday afternoon with gold at $1,612.12 an ounce. And all the speculation that I read about is it's going to go up to $2,000 and maybe $2,500 and more an ounce. And so it's getting more valuable all the time. But yet at the same time, it fluctuates. Now, how many of you have been watching the Olympics? Seems like to me they've been on for about the last six weeks. I, you know? <laughs> uh, and and um, you know, if you're watching it at night, you're seeing what happened during the day. And they always give you, if you don't want to know, don't listen. You know, so you, you watch that. Did you know that the medals that the first place winners receive that's supposed to be a gold medal is not gold? I learned that this week. And I'm like, well, if they're not gold, what are they? Well, they have to be at least 92.5% silver, but at least covered in 6 millimeters or so of gold. And, and when the Olympic Games began, uh, there was no gold medal that was given. It was a silver medal and then bronze. And, and somehow gold came in later on. The last time that the Olympics gave actual gold medals to the gold medal winners was the 1912 Games that were held in Sweden. But can you imagine that? 
I saw a picture this morning on the front page of uh, one of my news sources, uh, MSN page, that uh, I think it was two of our women from the basketball team that won the gold medal, that they had that gold medal up like they were taking a bite out of it to test to see if it was gold. I'm not sure what that test is supposed to be. I think I've learned through life a true diamond will scratch glass, isn't that right? And I think there's something about you can bite gold to determine that. I've seen it in Western movies and all that kind of stuff, but I'm not sure how that process works. But I saw them biting that, and I'm thinking, I wonder if they know if that's 92.5% silver and not real gold. And then I've been told that the people who win these medals have to pay taxes on what they win. I hope they don't get taxed at the rate of gold, but at silver, you know, rather than that, at 92.5% silver rather than gold. Well, you know, all that to say is, is that, that God just wants to remind us that our redemption was not bought with money because the, those things fluctuate. But that we were purchased with something far more valuable, and that is the blood of His only Son, Jesus Christ, the spotless Lamb. God sent Jesus into this world who was perfect in every way, God in flesh, and He died on the cross for our sins. Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. You see, we had a sin debt that we could not pay because we weren't righteous. And Jesus Christ came to pay that sin debt with His life, dying on the cross for us. That's why Peter says, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Now, why blood? Because blood speaks about the giving of life. Without blood, the body can't function. Without blood, oxygen and nutrients don't get to the necessary organs in your body. Without blood, your brain will not function. Without blood, simply you die. And I've also done some research about that, and there's been many different attempts to come up with some synthetic blood that can be used. Uh, there are a couple that they have used with some success. I'm not sure uh, if it's been approved by the uh, uh, agencies that do that. But the last report that I could find was 2009, and said that some of the qualities of synthetic uh, blood that were appealing were they could be given like as a universal donor. Uh, it had a longer uh, shelf life than real blood. Um, and it could, uh, could sustain a life uh, maybe a little bit longer in a trauma situation. But the down effect was it didn't have the oxygen that took the nutrients that were necessary to the body. So it was only really short term that it would work. You know, it really comes down to this fact. There is no substitute for real blood. And the same thing is true about our salvation. The only thing that could, that could buy our salvation is the blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing synthetic, but the absolutely real blood of Jesus Christ. And all the sacrifices that were made through all the years, God allowed to take place just to remind us that they were forerunners of the sacrifice that Jesus would come to make. That's the cost of our salvation. God paid it with Jesus as He died on the cross of Calvary, and His perfect blood was the final sacrifice. And you think about all that Jesus went through on that cross as He was dying by crucifixion. Rejection by mankind, those who were supposed to have loved Him and embraced Him. His own family didn't recognize Him and embrace Him as the Messiah. The physical suffering on the cross, most horrible means of death that mankind ever invented. The mental, emotional, and spiritual suffering because of sin as, as, as all the fury of sin and hell itself was poured onto Him. And He literally became sin in your place and mine on the cross. That's the cost of our redemption. We should never take it lightly. We can't earn it. You can't buy it. It's a gift from God. And He paid for it in the blood of His only Son, Jesus Christ. 
Now, the second thing we need to look at briefly is the plan of our redemption. In, in verse 20, Peter reminds us of the depth of God's love when he says, He was chosen, that's Jesus, before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Is that sunk into you? Can you hear that? That literally means before the foundations of the world were laid, before the world was created, before any man was created, that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were in perfect agreement that there would be a plan for the redemption of mankind. Because God knew in His infinite wisdom that even though He would put mankind on this earth created in His image, but with a free will that we would choose to sin, and we would sin, and God had already made a, a, a plan for that to take place. He had already made the necessary arrangements so that all that could be taken care of because He had purposed before the foundations of the world, before anything else was created, that He would have a provision for the forgiveness of our sins. And then you look at verse 21, and Peter says, "...through Him you believe in God who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, and so your faith and hope are in God." See, our faith and our hope can only be in God. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves right in God's sight. There's nothing we can do to buy our salvation. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. It is only as a gift from God in the blood of Jesus Christ, His sacrifice. In Isaiah 53 that talks about this wonderful suffering servant who would come, a forerunner of prediction about Jesus Christ says, He will see the result of the suffering of his soul and shall be satisfied. I think that means two things. That is, Jesus hung on the cross, and He knew that that was what His ultimate destiny was in life. That He was willing to see the people there, and able to know that He was satisfied that this was the final payment that was made, and necessary for the forgiveness of their sins, so that they could be redeemed, experience salvation, and a relationship with God. And I think it also means that God the Father looked down, and He says, that my demand for righteousness has been satisfied. It has been justified now by the blood of my Son, Jesus Christ. See, God planned that, that Christ would be the sacrifice in our place before anything else was created. Uh, most of you, I'm sure, perhaps all of you, hopefully all of you, haven't been living in a cave in the last several weeks to know that it wasn't too long ago that our country was rocked again by shootings. And I think uh, another one has happened over the weekend somewhere. Uh, but in Aurora, Colorado, in the movie theater, that many people were injured and at least 12 were killed. Uh, at least three of those who were killed, John Blunt, Matt McQuinn, and Alex Tevez, gave their life as a sacrifice when they each used their bodies to shield somebody else from being shot. John Blunt pushed his girlfriend to the floor and lay on top of her to protect her, and he took a bullet that ended his life. Alex Tevez was 24. He did the same thing, pushing his girlfriend down to the floor, lay on top of her and protected her, and he took a bullet that ended his life. Matt McQuinn, 27, dove in front of Samantha Yowler, and he took three bullets, one in the back, one in the chest, and one in the leg. Now, why were these three men, relatively young, why, why were they willing to sacrifice their life? Why were they willing to give themselves up? I think it's simply because they were willing to sacrifice their life so that somebody else could live. If you were in that situation, would you be willing to do the same thing? Or would you be thinking about yourself first? I admire these young men. I respect what they did. I'm awed by that. I hope I'm not put in that same situation. And I bet you're hoping you aren't either. But you see, God put Jesus Christ in that same situation, didn't He? 
And Jesus was willing to die in your place and my place in the most horrendous death ever thought of by mankind so that we could be free of our sins, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could experience redemption. Now, what does that lead us today? Well, it says if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and today certainly you should partake in the Lord's Supper and remember uh, your redemption and the cost of it and certainly your value to God. If you're a believer in Christ but not a member of this church, we welcome you to participate in that with us. But if you're not a believer yet in Jesus Christ, you should not partake of the bread and the cup because they remind us of the sacrifice and the price that was paid for the forgiveness of our sins. And if you haven't come to experience that and claim that, then, then you, you are devaluing what God did for you in Jesus Christ and you shouldn't partake of it. But here's something you can do if you have not yet believed in Jesus Christ. You can accept Him. You can ask Him to come into your life. Believing what He did on the cross was sufficient for the forgiveness of your sins. And as soon as you ask Him to come into your life and forgive you and cleanse you, you're in a relationship with Him. In fact, I want to lead you in a prayer and give you that opportunity. Let's everyone bow. You're a believer. You pray for God's Spirit to work in somebody's life today. If you're not a believer, listen to what I say, and then you might want to pray it following along with me. Heavenly Father, I know that I have a sin debt that I could never pay. Lord, I see now that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. Lord, right now I place my faith in You and what You've done for me. Lord Jesus, I believe that You died on the cross for my sins and that on the third day You arose from the grave. Lord Jesus, I ask You to come into my life and be my Savior. If you prayed that prayer and you really meant it from your heart, then you've begun a process of faith, a journey of faith with God in your life. You need to make a public commitment of your life and be baptized. But if you've earnestly prayed that prayer just then and you've never done it before, then we invite you also to partake of the bread and the cup with us as we celebrate today. Father, we thank you with sincere hearts. Uh, for our value in Your sight, and that You were willing to send Your only Son before the foundation of the world and before any creation took place to be the perfect sacrifice that we could live in a relationship with You. So, Father, now we pray that as we celebrate that and celebrate our redemption through the blood that's represented by the cup of juice and by the the body of Christ that's represented by the, the piece of bread, that we'll be reminded of our value in Your sight. And they will never take our salvation uh, very frivolously. But we will be extremely grateful to You for the depth of Your love for us. And we will value our life and our life in the Kingdom as we live for Your glory. In Christ's name I pray.